Hello, and welcome to episode 9 of Cadence Podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by Jen Zarati. Jen is a columnist for the Winnipeg Free Press, and she co-hosts a podcast for the Free Press called Bury the Lead. Jen spent the first decade of her career as a music writer, as she was the music editor at Uptown Magazine. She also freelanced for CBC and Huffington Post. On today's episode, we talk about Arcade Fire's The Funeral and how it impacted Jen's life as a fresh college graduate looking to get into music writing. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hello, and welcome to episode nine of Cadence Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jen Zarati. Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. So on Cadence, basically, we um, every week we'll break down one significant album that has impacted or influenced your life in some way. So for you, that album is um, Arcade Fire's 2004 debut release, um, Funeral. Correct. So I guess we'll just start with why... Is this the album that has influenced you most and in what ways has it kind of impacted your life? So when you emailed me, I, there was a few ways I could have approached this, right? And we were kind of talking about, because I mean, I think anyone, I used to be a music writer for a really long time. And I think anybody in that position knows it's really stressful to try to like nail down like even a top 10 list. I remember those would fill me with such like abject dread because it's like, oh my God, I can't nail it down. So to pick one album, uh, I kind of thought about periods of my life. And obviously music is really evocative of those times and really is really tied to memory. Um, so I was thinking about, you know, records that influenced me a lot in junior high when I was kind of starting getting into music. And so we could have talked about Big Shiny Tunes too. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> uh, so high school. <laughs> but I decided because of where we are, which is the former Kick FM radio studio, um, and the fact that I also did creative communications like yourself, um, I thought about my college record and that is Arcade Fire's Funeral. Absolutely. So that record came out in 2004. I would have been in my first year of creative communications. Mm -hmm. I would have been 19. Um, And it was such an exciting time because it was just you're kind of on the precipice of your career. Like this is the place where you were coming to, you know, learn to do the things so that you could do the thing. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I had always wanted to be a music writer and I would always, you know, thought about that and wanted to do that. And um that record so it's interesting backing up a little bit the year before I started Crecom uh, I went to Montreal with a, my best friend and we were meeting a friend of hers who was in her first year at McGill and was like all up into the super cool scene there and everything going on and uh, she passed us these tickets and I remember they were like hand-drawn like cut out tickets and it was the hidden cameras with Arcade Fire. Nice. And they still had the the, so it was the Arcade Fire at the time. Oh, yeah. And we went to go see, I don't even know what venue it was in. It was like in a weird, long, mirrored hallway, and everyone was smoking, and it was like very Montreal. <laughs> and we saw this band, and I thought they were horrible. I've told this story before. Yeah, I was like, this like is arcade, the worst band I've ever seen. Fire. Yeah, I'm like, I hate this. I hate this so much. Like, with, ugh, it's the worst. <laughs> so then Creecom starts, and uh, I had hit it off with a guy in my class named Mike, who became a good friend of mine through college. And uh, he was like, oh, do you like going to shows? And I'm like, I do. And we started go- going to concerts together. And he's like, do you want to go see Arcade Fire? Because they were playing at the Burt. And this was like mm-hmm. a couple years later now. I think this they played at the Burt in like, 2005 maybe okay. I don't remember when that show was but I was like 
uh, I've seen this band and hard pass like no he's like yeah he's like they're getting really good buzz like they're good like I think you'd really like it and so of course I go to the show and I was like this is transcended so then got funeral and that really became the soundtrack of my whole college experience yeah and not only that but I felt like it was a real gateway album for me um, in terms of learning about kind of the Canadian indie rock scene and that was such a critical point in Canadian music I think because prior to that it was kind of like your Brian Adams and your Sarah McLaughlin and the sort yeah, of 90s can rock bands. And it was just at the beginning of that indie rock boom where you had, you know, Arcade Fire, Broken Social Scene, all those kind of acts mm-hmm. coming out of Toronto and Montreal. And then Winnipeg as well. Um, so it really kind of led to a lot of discovery in terms of Canadian music as well. Um, so it was just formative on a bunch of levels. Uh, the album of, uh, I can just keep talking, you can interject it, <laughs> but uh, the album itself was so unlike anything I'd heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so interesting. And st- and even still, I'm still a huge Arcade Fire fan, even though like some of their newer output I haven't liked yeah. as much, but because um, I, I, I like, but that first album, I think really is as close to a perfect record as you're going to get. Yeah. And interestingly, that Arcade Fire show that they played at the Burt, that I can't remember if it was 2004 or 2005, but Wolf Parade opened. And that was another really formative band from that time. And their debut album, Apologies to the Queen Mary, is also a very significant album for me. But yeah, I listened to Funeral nonstop, like every day, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I probably would have too if, yeah. if it was, you know, yeah. <laughs> if I was kind of in that that point. Yeah. you know, the th- like obviously the themes of the album are so based on kind of, you know, loss of innocence and now growing yeah. up and rebel, like, you know, the big song Rebellion. Totally. Um, yeah, and then that last that last song, um, Backseeds. Yeah. Like, obviously, that's about um, the singer, her, her mom had passed yeah. away. But yeah. it is also just kind of like taking, now you're, you know, you're in the backseat your whole life and now you're forced into the driver's seat mm-hmm. to take control. And, you know, that's kind of how I feel right now too. Like, you know, well, yeah. graduating, it's like now I have to, take control of my life <laughs> totally and it was such a like a a perfect coming of age record for me at the time because I was also literally becoming an adult and figuring mm-hmm. out what that meant and and look like and I think that is also you know a theme on the record you know when you have lyrics about talking about how we you know remember the bedrooms and the bedrooms of our friends and all that yeah. kind of thing and really that loss of innocence and and you know moving from being a child and becoming an adult so Mm -hmm. yeah and I never really heard an album that has like a concept like running through like the neighborhood series Mm -hmm. yeah yeah number one one to four like it's almost like a mini concept album in itself because they're all so connected totally and I I think concept albums get I think because they just kind of are synonymous with like classic rock like rock opera Mm -hmm. really overblown records which have their place but i think this arcade fire record showed that you can do that on a different scale that isn't necessarily um a rock opera i think a rock opera and a concept album sometimes get conflated with each other and but it's so interesting now to revisit a record like funeral and listen to it full because we're so singles based now right so it is interesting to actually listen to an album that clearly a lot of thought went into the track listing and the sequencing and all that kind of stuff so yeah definitely you're right it tells a story yeah definitely and and like the length obviously like it's very like it's only maybe 50 minutes right like it's 10 songs it's very tight and that's (laughs) so great because there's not anything there that like could be taken out really which is hilarious because we all know where arcade fire went with that arcade 
arcade double album fire. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> when really sometimes I feel like you could have probably whittled yeah. this down to one. Yeah. Um, but it is, yeah, I'm kind of struck by how much they fit in in a fairly economical package with that For record. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think it was also one of those rare records that really exploded in the States because it was, yeah, they did break through quite yeah a cause it was on merge records, which is an American label. Um, and you know, the fact that a band like Arcade Fire could win, you know, Grammy awards mm-hmm. was really compelling to me because it was like, Oh, like maybe, maybe the kind of music I like and kind of feel, you know, weird and like a weirdo for liking is, you know, other people are resonating with it too. Mm-hmm. And especially with all the, um, you know, Canadian and Montreal influence. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. Just, that does that one song that's pretty much all in French. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool how that broke through like that. And I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't, maybe you could speak to this better. Like after Funeral, like was, like I know Suburbs, obviously that one mm-hmm. album of the year, right? That was huge. Yeah. But it was like, that's when I first heard of them really. And then yeah. I went back to Funeral because yeah. I would have been in, like maybe just starting high school when Suburbs came out. So that pulled me into them. But then I yeah. went back and listened to Funeral. So after Funeral, did they, did it really break through after that one? I think so. Um, it was interesting because I started covering music professionally after that mm-hmm. point. Because uh, I started working at um, Uptown Magazine when it was still an all-weekly here in Winnipeg. Um, and I was interviewing all these people. So mm-hmm. it was really cool being able to talk to Will Butler, like Wynn's brother, um, about you know, that record and being able to kind of write about it and kind of write about my own experiences with it and all that kind of thing. And I think it was, and I think they still remain very influential. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is really cool, especially for me as a music journalist, to feel like I was getting really in the ground floor of something interesting. And I felt that way about a lot of other bands from that time too, because that time in Canadian indie rock really dovetailed with my career as a music writer mm-hmm. um so it was really interesting to be able to write about people kind of like from their first album to when they're kind of breaking out bigger to when they you know you can start really charting the influence from yeah. on other people around them and and yeah but that whole Montreal scene was extremely exciting I it was bet. exciting for me too because it was like oh my god this music that exists here because again I think people had this idea of what Canadian music was and you yeah. know how to fill your can rock quota uh but it was actually really exciting and there was a time where pretty much all i listened to was canadian music mm-hmm. so and because it was it was actually good and not yeah just exactly you felt like you exactly had like, to or it's yeah. like you know if you listen to the radio it's like okay here's your yeah your yep. cancon obligation in. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly it's because it was actually good yeah 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 so did there other records like obviously this was a time and place thing for sure absolutely did there other records like suburbs and neon bible and reflector like did those have impacts as well i think the resonance of those records was a little bit different i think it more i liked those musically like they were less evocative of a time and place yeah because i don't think every record is going to do that for you right i think there's some records that just really capture and every time you listen to them and i have a few other ones that are kind of from earlier in my life like from the same period as funeral like i would say the killer's hot fuss is another big one from college time Mm -hmm. and when I hear it I'm transported there Mm -hmm. whereas with some of the other Arcade Fire albums for example I can enjoy them and hear them but they don't necessarily transport me to a time and place but I just I have always really enjoyed not just the songwriting but just the structure of their songs and how every one of them it's they make real like when you strip it all down and you strip out sort of all the like baroque rock art stuff they make really catchy pop songs oh yeah i mean they the most 
the only band that they remind me of because they don't really remind me of anyone would be the talking head yeah i can yeah. see that for sure yeah because it's just so so different so different and yet so catchy mm-hmm. and so accessible and that to me is where the the genius is so there's very few arcade fire songs i'll listen to and not like and i've seen them live now so many so i've also seen them go from playing that weird club in montreal to playing <laughs> bell mts center yeah and seeing that evolution too has been really interesting um as both a fan and a critic sure. um and i think uh they really hold their own live um I mean, the show I saw the very first time I saw them, they were like, had all these like lamps and they had all these <laughs> dancers that, and like Regine was like wrapped in like electrical tape. I'm like, you guys, like, you like, need to. <laughs> but clearly, somewhere along the way, they focused on music and less about like, you know, what the image the looked image, like. Yeah. So that, that way, when they got back into sort of the image based stuff, like with the reflector tour, mm-hmm. um, they still had the music underpinning it Mm -hmm. uh so i think that helped rather than just it being kind of a spectacle it it actually had some for sure yeah the the only time i had ever saw them was that reflector tour when they yeah it was mts center at the time um and i remember like you know i I, i'd always yeah i'd grown up like like suburbs was huge and yeah and then it was at that kind of point where i I wasn't really huge into neon bible for whatever reason like it was good but it just didn't hit me like that yeah it was was not my yeah it was fine but yeah and then Reflector, I'm like, this is, again, it wasn't like, oh, my God, I'm, like, so impacted by this album. But I was like, this music, I really like it. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I remember when they, um, when they came and, like, we got the tickets and it said, like, wear a costume or a suit and tie yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. But it was, it was interesting because, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. At that point, they had their music down and people were going to go and enjoy their music. And then, you know, you can throw in a cool thing. I remember at the time, I'm like, this is, like, so pretentious that I have to wear a suit to this show. When I was there and I saw everybody else in suits and like, it was cool. It was a fun atmosphere for sure. People were extremely upset by that. And it's like, all right, Winnipeg, you don't yeah. literally have to wear sweatpants everywhere. Like, yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's okay if you want to dress nicely to one concert. Yeah, I know. And that's totally how I felt. And then when I got there, I'm like, okay, this is a cool atmosphere. I dig this. Totally. With everybody. Yeah. yeah. Between the, co- and the costumes and the suits were very weird because there'd be like a guy in a banana suit right in the middle of the floor and then there would be a guy in a suit and tie right next to him yeah exactly but it creates that 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 vibe that i think is is really interesting yeah for sure yeah absolutely yeah um so are there like specific tracks that really stick out to you like you know on funeral like when you heard it like just very specific ones that just yeah so like my creative communications anxiety anthem was power out Just because that's so um, frenetic, and anytime I needed to write something or finish something, I would put that on because I found it really, you know, mm-hmm. it, it it was propulsive enough that it kind of drove me forward. <laughs> um, and of course, like I think, uh, I think "Wake Up" isn't just. Oh yeah, it's one of those songs that's, that's just anthem. magical, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and so when you see it pop up in movie trailers, it's very like. Uh-huh, yeah, I'm crying, right back. absolutely. So yeah, there's definitely those specifics, but I like I like it. I like it all as a piece. Actually, I, that that is one album that I like listening from beginning to end. Yeah, it's kind of hard to just throw one on. Mm-hmm. Like even for me, like I think Suburbs did have a lot of like individual songs that I can just because that's that's a double album, right? Suburbs. It is, yes. Like that's a listen. Like that's, that yes, takes it takes a lot out of you. You're like, hey, I'm gonna sit down and listen to Suburbs. It takes. 
it takes a lot. So And that record had so many great pop elements. Like there oh, yeah. were like a few songs which I'm not going to I can't uh, think of the title of the song yeah. that I'm wanting to well, talk about. Well, even like right now. the the title track, Suburbs was oh, yeah. like so catchy. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh but there's one that is just so straight up ABBA and I love it so much. Like it's just, you know, you can hear those influences mm-hmm. and I always really appreciate that 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 yeah, they have their moments where they can kind of be maligned as already and pretentious but actually yeah that, that's a good point like yeah. they make real good just yeah catchy yeah. pop music for sure yeah when i interviewed will butler on about the suburbs um he was talking about how because they the butlers grew up in texas yeah. so they are not canadian they grew mm-hmm. up in america and what they were really trying to capture was kind of that pastel edward scissorhands suburbia of their youth which y- you totally hear right so i also like that not only can the arcade fire evoke time and place from your own life, but you can also really see the picture that they're painting. Mm-hmm. They're just really evocative. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, and you can hear that influence because, yeah, I think he they like he moved when yeah. it was like college eh, or yeah, somewhere yeah. around there when they moved to Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely feel that 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 sense on that first one Yeah, for sure. absolutely. Um, so, yeah, going back to probably the question that music critic would hate the most is would you consider <laughs> this like the album that – like just kind of influences you and in like that time and place the most or would it also be like one of your like was it your favorite oh it was definitely my favorite yeah yeah absolutely and I think um it's and I think it's just one of those records that's also just unimpeachably good that's why it's on every like best 200 albums of the last yeah, the 20 or whatever Pitchfork you know that. <laughs> I, I mean it really to me was that decades never mind yeah in a lot of ways um because it kind of did the same thing for Arcade Fire that Nevermind did for Nirvana. Um, so that's kind of how I think of it in terms of that kind of cultural time and place. But yeah, certainly if I was to make like a Desert Island, that would it would be on there. That'd yeah. be on there, absolutely. That's cool. Because it's, it's always tough with, you know, especially with this show, is a lot of people say it doesn't, it's not necessarily synonymous where it's like your, your favorite yeah. and impact, you know? So. And, and some of mine that I could have talked about aren't yeah, anymore sure sure right you know yeah. where it's like i don't actually listen to this anymore it. Yeah. but it it served its yeah. its time and place that was kind of like me with the killers like yeah fuss, like oh my yeah. god i played that all the time but now. there's there's people in your life that are like that too so i think about people who it's, i was really really close with in college mm-hmm. who i don't really talk to anymore and it's not that i wish them ill will but you know like my friend mike for example like i never see him anymore but he like that he was a very good friend of mine Mm-hmm. in college and you know our journeys went different ways and there's lots of people like that in your life so sure. you, if you kind of think of albums like friends which is so cheesy but i kind of do because they are there for you when you need them to be right mm-hmm. um yeah sometimes they just sometimes they travel with you and sometimes they uh you you know Go you marie condo it up and you say you no longer spark joy and i will leave you here that's true <laughs> <laughs> but you can still go back and be like oh yeah, exactly like, and it takes you right there right? i have a like you know like blink 182 and like my chemical romance all these these times in my life where it's like yeah i'm not gonna go and listen to that you know today probably but yeah well, put it on that's that's the crazy yeah. thing with music that's a good point where it just really it really does transport you to that it's just the only thing for me that really captures that feeling mm-hmm. like there's movies there's tv episodes that yeah feel relatable but i don't know for me I, i've never had like a movie um 
that I'd watch now and be like, oh, it really takes me back to that moment. Like, well, yeah. music is the thing. Well, and I think the, the word we're circling around and not saying is nostalgia, right? Yeah, like, and, and 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 being in this room because we're recording in the radio studio at Red yeah. River. Um, this is where I met my husband. So mm-hmm. even just being like certain like smells and like places that just like reminds you of like oh like I have very pleasant associations with with here, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you think about all the music that was the soundtrack for those times. And you know, I think about the music that we used for our wedding day and how mm-hmm. that will end up being music that's really um that I'll look back on and be taken to that. So I think it's also possible to create new memories with music that might be a little bit older or you know was from a different era in your life. Yeah, for sure. We had a lot of Wilco in our in our <laughs> wedding. Uh I was going to talk about Yankee Hotel Foxtrot actually. Oh, yeah. Um but uh yeah, we had a, like a lot in there. So now so that, that that brings yeah, you back, yeah. Totally. Yeah, and I mean, I guess you, you know, time will only tell, like, stuff I'm listening to now. Yeah. At this point in my life, in 10 years, I'll look back and I'll be on a show talking about, you know, Well, yeah. Whatever. And I, I think that's why I was kind of intrigued by the premise of the show. And when I was thinking about it before I came on, I, I think there is a difference between albums that were influential in your life versus albums that you just enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I was really trying to separate the two. Like, what are albums that I like and love and what actually had and influence because they're not necessarily the same thing yeah yeah but yeah like on an album like this like it's just such good music yeah like from absolutely. the musical standpoint and like i i used to play like i used to play drums but i certainly i didn't really connect with music on like a passionate level through the music itself like that's not what really drew me in it wasn't the chord progressions and the riffs and the drum fills it was more like the story telling and everything so mm. but it's interesting when yeah like there's a there's an album that's like such good music but also has all the great concepts themes behind it so it's interesting i am the exact opposite listener okay. to you yeah it, for a long time i actually didn't even really hear lyrics like mm-hmm. i, I kind of treated when i would listen i would treat the vocals as another instrument and then when i started interviewing musicians they would sometimes get upset with me if I didn't ask specific questions about their specific lyrics and it's typically singer-songwriters which I as a writer myself I understand but like so I kind of listened to lyrics more intently and it actually wasn't really until I got um a more into uh you know like well you can use Wilco as an example that's Mm -hmm. another where it's just really strong lyrically but also when I got more into hip-hop and listening to rap lyrics more carefully then you kind of like it changes your listening a bit but before as just a music fan I barely listened to lyrics at all ever like it was just kind of another another instrument for me yeah Yeah. and it's funny you mentioned hip-hop because I um you know like I grew up with what my you know you grew up with what your parents are listening to right so I grew up on all the classic rock Mm -hmm. and it's just you know the rock the choruses like the ACDC just like big band like this is great but yeah I certainly didn't really break down and I'm not saying you know classic rock didn't have some amazing you know storytelling albums but it was hip-hop that really like I always grew up with the notion again because there was no hip-hop in my household obviously in you know suburban white Winnipeg you know nobody's bumping hip-hop um but when I kind of started expanding my own personal taste and just listening to different stuff, then I was like, wow, like yeah. hip hop is for me right now, like in 2019, it's the genre that is pushing forward the most in like story, like in, in, in just in albums. I think. Absolutely. Like rock is kind of stagnant. Like it hasn't had a movement really since 
probably the t- early, you know early mid two thousands. Yeah. And hip hop, and it, and it also you know you can do a lot more um, with experimental beats and that kind of thing mm-hmm. with technology. But yeah, hip hop really got me into like wow, like like hearing like early Kanye and Ken- like some some of even Kendrick's first couple albums is just like wow, like it blew me away. Like what you can do. Oh yeah. Like, the only person I want to listen to right now is Lizzo, <laughs> which everywhere I am or talking about it, it's always about Lizzo, whose album comes out in April. Um, yeah. But, like, that is another one. I actually saw Lizzo opening up for Slater Kinney oh, yeah. in Minneapolis. So they're, you know, like, Riot Girls with, you know, mm-hmm. a rapper. And... Again, it just shows you that if we can kind of get out of sort of the genre boxes, and I think a lot of people who also say like, well, I don't like, I don't like hip hop. I don't like rap. I think you just haven't listened to it enough. Like you probably do. I, I think as much as possible. And I think for me, becoming a music writer helped with this a lot because I didn't always get to choose who I interviewed or reviewed. Um, expand what you listen to because the more diverse your music diet is, the better off you are, as I think. I think sure. the more you're exposed to and the more you listen to, the more um, it's just it's it's just good for you. For sure. And uh, yeah, I guess you just kind of assume like there's the stereotypes of just genres. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. And yeah. groups will just get boxed in. But if you listen to like Subterranean Homesick Blues by Bob Dylan, he's basically rapping. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> or on Rage Against the Machine in the 90s. Like, yeah, yeah, sure, it was rock. It was rebellion. But it was like Zach DeLaRocca basically rapped on it the whole time. Yeah, like that was like sort of your proto rap rock, which became new metal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. (laughs) You can really draw lines. Yeah. Because I mean, everyone's working with the same twelve notes, right? So it you can draw lines throughout history and kind of you know link them all together Mm -hmm. but i think um the early 2000s certainly not just in canada but of course with the whole white stripe strokes garage rock thing yeah 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 was also another big one for me um these were i was in high school so it's not like people were super into this kind of music like i kind of was a bit of an outlier with that um but again it just kind of got me out of that sort of classic rock bubble but I also had a dad who listened to current music and still Mm -hmm. listens to current music so I was exposed to just new stuff all the time um but and and it's also an interesting time to being a Winnipeg music fan because Bell MTS Place formerly the MTS Center wasn't here until the early 2000s so we didn't get a lot of tours Mm -hmm. we didn't get a lot of we don't it certainly is not like it is now yeah in terms of who was coming through and who you were able to see. So typically, if you were going to a concert, you were seeing some of these classic rock acts and seeing yeah. less of the, you know. And now it's like, my God. I remember the first time I could take the bus to a Pearl Jam concert. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. I don't have to drive for music. Like, yeah. you know, so I think I think it was just a really interesting time overall. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, because now it's like if there's a Shawn Mendes, Selena Gomez, whatever, they're yeah. kind of all coming here. And now I've... You, we almost get into the state where we either get huge artists, yeah, like like the Selena Gomez, the Shawn Mendes, those really really big artists, which yep. is great for obviously for downtown economy, all that. It's yep. excellent. Um, or you get the people who are playing at the Garrick who are just starting out. Yeah, we don't get as many of the kind of cool B. And I think I just think back to hip hop. There's a lot of kind of like. Um, guys that I listen to that just aren't obviously going to play arenas and yeah. then they just can't really come here. Well, and it's interesting. And I wrote like, and people can find this cause I 
right with the Winnipeg Free Press, mm-hmm. and it's it's on our website. Last year, I did a really long, nerdalicious feature on tour routing and how and why bands come here and why they don't. And I interviewed Kevin Donnelly, who of True North, who books all the acts that come through Bell MTS Place, as well as the Burt, because they manage that now as well. And uh, we talked about hip hop, and it's really interesting because a lot of hip hop artists do not make their money touring. They make their money. They are the only genre that is still making money through album sales and streaming. They're, it's the most streamed genre yeah. on earth. Yeah, it's past rock now. I'd yeah. Say. So if you only have to do 20 tour dates a year and then can lay on your bags of money, you're not going to hit B markets. You're going to hit A markets and then you're going to hit the A markets again and then you're going to go home and be like, it's a good I'm, I'm good, you yeah. know? So that's always his frustration because people will ask him all the time like why don't you book so-and-so why don't you book so-and-so a sometimes they're too expensive to play this market and b it's because a lot of hip-hop artists do not need to grind it out on the road the way other acts might yeah Yeah. that's a good point it's really interesting and i I, never really thought of i hadn't either till i because they're such a um you know and obviously they're they're just they're really their own brand and their own you know they especially with social media like you can really craft your character totally and get those you know sponsorship deals all that kind of yeah. stuff and yeah the streaming yeah that's and you know that's why there's there's artists like a guy like drake he'll make hits but he'll put out 25 song albums yeah amigos or whatever because it's you know right you're, you're not really as concerned yeah. with crafting this great piece of art you just you know you put kind of everything anything you recorded in the studio all the b-sides all the demos yeah. let's kind of touch them up a little bit throw them in there and then people are going to stream them and you'll make more money through the streaming exactly and then you know if you look at drake's tour dates they're going to be toronto they're going to be montreal maybe yeah. they're going to be new york mm-hmm. dallas yeah. you'll go to all those a markets and then you might just do them again instead of – typically Winnipeg is included on the second leg of a North American tour because it's a smaller market. Um, it's also hard because we're just where we are geographically. Yeah, like right? if you're talking tour logistics and you're kind of going across, like yeah. then to make that detour to come up yeah. north and then kind of go back. And our state. dollar sucks, which doesn't help <laughs> when it, we're buying talent, right? Yeah. Because some people's guarantees are just too big for us to sustain. But – kind of circling back to the Arcade Fire conversation, it's always beneficial for Canadian bands to tour Canada. Yeah. So that's why even top-tier Canadian acts such as Arcade Fire, who do tour in the States and are quite successful, which is actually pretty rare for a Canadian act to have the success that they've had, um, they'll still come to Winnipeg because it's it's it would be leaving money on the table to not. That's true. You know? Yeah. And yeah, that's that's really cool how they broke through because there's not a lot. Even bands like Tragically Hip, like they were kind of big down there, but they didn't. Not they're, they're the Canadian. Yeah, absolutely. Icons, right? absolutely. So that's really impressive. And yeah, again, just with all the Canadian influence, especially on Funeral. Yeah. Like you can just hear it with the French and the just the vibes and the cold, like you know, it's all just set in like an ice storm, is what it feels yeah, like. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's really cool how they were able to get that big after. Yeah. That. And then win Album of the Year, like that's crazy I know. for it's, suburbs, yeah. like. I know a Grammy doesn't really, to me anyway, I don't think it really means as much as it maybe once did in 2019 as opposed to maybe back then, but. Well, I think it's, I think that was sort of, again, it was such a, because if you think about who the Canadian Grammy winners were before, it was like, what, Celine? (laughs) You know, so (laughs) it kind of was, again, I, I think the Grammys sometimes have like glimmers of 
relevance like i think this past grammys for example oh, they're like good. yeah you're getting it maybe yeah. um but yeah i think it, again it was just especially for a record label like merge to uh yeah. take them on is a. Uh, it's pretty big too because mm-hmm. Merge it's also home to Spoon and a bunch of other yeah Spoon yeah Rob great bands so. they were great yeah <laughs> um, so um, is is your is the favorite part of the album just kind of the mixture of the, the music the lyrics the concepts all of that yes. into one yeah it's not like one kind of thing that really brought you into it I think it's just I don't know it's just one of those records that you listen to and you just feel it. Yeah, you just, you get the goosebumps, you get the hairs on the back of your neck. Like, it's really that kind of record. So it's it's almost a level past being merely good. It's it's something else. And that's rare when that comes along. And if you have a record that does that for you, I think it tends to, to stay with you. So it's just, it's kind of a whole package to yeah, me. Yeah, for sure. There's not a bad song on that record. No. Like, yeah. there's really no... We Nothing like. that should be taken out for sure. And even now, I mean, that record's already old. Like it's 15 years old. I, I saw. I was when I was <laughs> going like kind of you know going back and listening to it. Yeah, I'm like 2004. I'm like that's yeah, crazy. that is. Because even a long like time yeah, ago. now going back to suburbs, like which is the one that I really like hooked me into Arcade Fire. I'm like that's like 11 years now. Like, uh, I know. Like, I was you, like in grade nine. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I I was an adult. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like even a record that I still think of as new, like Yeah Yeah Yeah's It's Blitz, is 10 years old this yeah. year. Like it came out in 2009. I was yeah. like, oh my God. Because Spin reshared its cover story about that record that was on my apartment coffee table for like a month <laughs> at the time. Like, oh, it was 10 years ago. But again, that record too reminds me of, you know, my first year living on my own and like working full time yeah. and all that stuff. There's just so, so many that you yeah. can just go back to. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like that now, like I'm at the point where an artist like Drake, like I remember listening to So Far Gone in like 2009 and Best I Ever Had was huge. And now watch, this is the only artist I can think of where I can remember their first thing, like Mm -hmm. their first big thing. And now seeing them 10 years later being way bigger than even at the time. It's crazy. It's It's weird to see the start of it and now seeing where they are. And it's also interesting too when you get to be my age so i'm turning 34 next week and thank you and uh i've reached the point i still just like i'm interested in new music and i still have new discoveries so like something like courtney barnett i'm super mm-hmm. into phoebe bridgers i think is amazing um lizzo obviously so i still have new discovery artists but i find that you kind of reach a point around 30 where you're like i'm good yeah like i have my music I am good, you know, where you're just like, I, I cannot, I cannot stay on top of all the things that are happening right now. And I still feel like I do an above average job, but like, you, and I can't remember who it was. I think it may have been Julie Penner, who's a local violinist who plays with Broken Social Scene, among others. I think she tweeted once that when you hit 30, you stop knowing everything about music and start knowing everything about food. And that's kind of true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like you just kind of reach a point where you're like, or there's just a point where you want to go back to those old comfort albums like Arcade Fire's Funeral, mm-hmm. where you're like, or periods where I have, all I want to listen to is Metallica's Black Album. Like, you know, where you're like, I don't want anything new. I actually just want to listen to sort of my yeah. my comfort things. And I remember for a long time, I had a lot of real 90s nostalgia. So I was going back to like those records. And now I'm finally having like, 2000s. 2000s yeah so yeah it's interesting. yeah because i guess now you you've just listened to so much music that you have this bank of albums that you know are great they're not they're not going to change your oh yeah them. yeah and then also the the hundreds and i'm not even exaggerating the hundreds of artists i've interviewed i bet um it's yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> like, like, so there's also that perspective too. And, and that was also just really cool to be able to talk to people about records that I okay. love so much and yeah. ask them questions about yeah. it. And, yeah. Being able to connect with that and be like, yeah. I love this thing as like a fan. And then like, actually yeah. just looking at it critically. Totally. Yeah. And also like just with this, uh, how saturated music is right now, like it's just impossible to listen to everything. Like it's like artists yeah. can just drop a random single, like even like, no Vampire Weekend. I'm like, oh, a sick new album. But it's like they just drop. They're just dropping everything. And it's oh, yeah. Like, it's I don't have the time to listen to all this music. I have to make like playlists of like new oh, music totally. just so I can stay on top of it. It's overwhelming. That's how I feel about TV also. That's true. I yeah, mean, it's streaming. It's like Yeah, crazy. I think everything. It's just. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's bands that I like that I'm a fan of that I am a few albums behind on. Because it's just yeah. like oh, everyone, everyone should just stop producing stuff for like <laughs> one year and just Let's allow everyone up. to catch up and then resume. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it's wild. And with streaming, artists might be more inclined to just, instead of like dropping, you know, a, a really nice piece of art and mm-hmm. then taking a year or two, maybe tour, do a little bit, they'll just come right back like six months later with like another piece of work. Cause it's yeah. Like, oh, listen to my new stuff. Too yeah. much. It's yeah, too much. For sure. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Make sure to go listen to Funeral if you haven't done so yourself. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. It is a great record. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. I want to give a big thank you to Jen for joining me on the show today. This album is such an important staple in Canadian music, and if you haven't already, I highly recommend you all go listen to it. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Cadence Podcast for more information on guests and albums. Next week, I'll be joined by Jen's co-host on Barry the Lead, Aaron Labar, so be sure to watch out for that episode. Thanks so much again for listening, and I'll see you next week.